Hey, what's up, everybody? Hello, hello, hello. Can I kick it? What's going on? Hello, internets, and beep you. It's Moshko, and if you thought we were done for the holiday, you're right. But we're not going to leave you hanging. Every week through the new year, each one of the hosts here at Fireside will be picking one of our favorite classic episodes to present to you. So, for the first week, I get the honor of picking that issue. I have to say, it didn't take me long at all to pick my most memorable show, but I did have to go way back in the archives to pull out issue number 436. Now, there's two reasons for this show. First, this was the full review of The Joker, the Todd Phillips cinematic masterpiece, which in my opinion is the best DC movie ever put out, period. Number two, this was also one of the first issues I appeared on. This issue came out on October 12th, 2019, which if you remember our timeline is just a few weeks before the pandemic took its hold over really us and everyone in the world. You know, this was one of the last in-studio recordings that we were able to do. Uh, you know, I, I, I do have to say that was fun, but it's also super nice to be able to do this from home. <laughs> anyway, sit back, relax, and listen to the wonderful vocal stylings of myself, Menti, and Mr. Maurer as we gush over the best thing to come out of Gotham City, the Joker. Now, on to the show. First off, welcome to Fireside. We'll be talking comic books the entire time. Ain't going nowhere, so dry your eyes. Already lasted longer than fireflies. Stay tuned, Mickey's got the creepiest news. From books to TV, the movie reviews. Plus the next toy, baby, here we get you. Even the superhero fight club, we usually lose. Just popping those earbuds, turn up those speakers. Feel my power, earth, you with features. Neither listen by a week, me or you can binge us. We got it all, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another issue of Fireside Chats. I'm your host, Menti, and with me as always are my wonderful sidekicks first, Mr. Mighty Moshko. Hello, everybody. Wow, we gotta get you something better, man. Hello, Twitter world. <laughs> we gotta get you. I don't want to say that one. We still, yeah, no, no, they're gonna hate you. Uh, <laughs> we gotta, we still gotta get you a better intro than that. Who's playing with some toys? <laughs> no Who wants toys. No, that's 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 bad too. Give me your money. <laughs> Give me your money. Pay good. up. That's pretty good. Yeah, your invoice is in, the, is in your inbox. <laughs> <laughs> that's just to us. Uh, and then there's Mauer. Beep you. Nope. Come on, no, nope. <laughs> nope. You, you've got, you've actually officially cursed at me the other day. No, no, <laughs> that was awesome. All right, are you ready? You're like a stoner. <laughs> that was awesome. Are you ready, people at home? Please take off your earphones if you got them turned in. Oh boy, because this is about to be loud. Beep you, mother beeper. There, and the neighborhood is awake. Yep. All of a sudden, there's gonna be cops at the door. <laughs> I think I hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Saturday show. If you're new around here, that's what we're not going to talk about the news. Don't worry about it. Not we're no, no one needs to say it. We're just we're not going to talk about the news. You know why we're not going to talk about the news? Because we've all held this off for a long enough. Everyone got a chance to see this movie. And we finally, 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 finally get an opportunity to talk about Joker. Second movie in five years that I've probably seen on opening night. Wow. Yeah, I first in probably 15, 20 years. I do not go on the first day. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I went. I went Friday morning, thinking that that would be fine. Nope, still had a terrible experience. Really? Movie was great. 
Still had a terrible experience. 10.30 in the morning. Still somebody getting on my nerves. I hate going to the movies at opening night. It's because you go to the wrong theaters. You got to go to Movie Tavern. Best experience. Maybe. Nobody near you. That's such a trip, though. That's such a trip. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Let's... Disclaimer. <laughs> Just like the movie. This may trigger you. Okay. <laughs> Just like the movie. I'm, I'm excited to... Now I'm, I'm intrigued. This is going to get a little violent. R- really? Just like the movie. I'm a little concerned. What was the movie? Well, we'll get into it. Just like the movie. There's spoilers. Spoiler. Just like the movie, there's spoilers. Are you kidding me? All right, Moshko, you're going to help me with this one. And a one, and a two. Earth Earth two. Just like the movie, there are spoilers. (laughs) My God. I don't know. If you score the most points, you win the game. (laughs) Same thing. You just lost the game. What the hell is happening? Sports ball. Oh, gotcha. I'm confused. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, so yeah, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We are going to spoil this movie. Make sure, for the love of God, you've seen it before we start going. I'm and not, if you haven't seen it, what the hell is your problem? I'm not holding anything back. Like, seriously. Uh, you know what's funny? And this, and this is a topic for another time, but I, I have a lot of friends who I said, hey, did you see Joker yet? And they went, I don't feel like giving DC any more money. And I'm like, guys. You're a moron. Stop it. <laughs> But you just gave Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> Same people saw Endgame 45 times. Yeah, like, uh, come on. This whole Marvel DC thing is the, is the dumbest. I, I can't. I can't. Especially when this movie, phenomenal. All right, yeah, let's, okay. Let's, let's do our standard round robin. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Right. Mauer, phenomenal. You, you go first. The, the phenomenal. He is Joker. Phenomenal. Can I say that this movie was phenomenal? I think you did. All right. I loved it. All right, Moshko. I, I left the theater with a giant smile on my face because I loved it. All right, Moshko. It, it was it was that good. I, I it's up there, a masterpiece. Like th- from top to bottom, every facet of this movie is unbelievable. Yeah, we're about to go film school on you guys. Uh, I agree. I mean, I I don't have any real criticisms with this movie. I, I what I found interesting about it is, and it, it, maybe it's just because I've been watching so many like quote unquote comic book movies that when I left the theater for this one, it didn't. I didn't, it did, the movie stayed with me. Like, I still think about this movie where most movies I've seen recently, like, when, after I see it, we talk about it on the show. That's the end of it. Until it comes out and I can watch it at home. And then even then, I, I don't think about it. This one, I'm, st- it's still with me. Because every aspect of this movie was damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, the score, the soundtrack, which are two different things. Very true. Um, the cinematography, the art direction. The direction, the acting, the it was editing. Highly calculated. Everything was there for a reason. And it, it's the placement of everything in this was fantastic. I'm not going to lie. I was, sick. I was skeptical going in. I was skeptical of whether or not... Because of what I put? No. No? No, no. I was, I was skeptical that he was going to be Joker by the end. So when I, when I, so watching the Wait, movie, you wanted to see that or you didn't want to see no, that? No, I did want to see it. I, I, I know it's supposed to be a very true down to earth rendition. Like how can someone, uh, in, in today's world become the Joker, right? And so removing all of the, the fantastical elements that comics add, like the, the acid and the, the chemicals and all like the, even the mob, all of that stuff, removing the, the comic element to it, just a, 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 a person getting pushed to a point where they become the Joker. Right. And I'm thinking, all right, how do you pull that off? Because the Joker is so just removed from everything that that's why he finds what he finds funny. 
right? I was skeptical on whether or not by the end of that movie I was going to see Joker or I was going to see this version of Joker, right? Not like Joker, a version of Joker. But man, that by the final moments of this movie, I'm like, that was Joker. Like when he grabs the camera and starts just saying when talking to the world, I'm like, that's that's the Joker. That is 100% the Joker. Different face paint, but absolutely the Joker. Would you agree? Yeah, and let's... We're going to be jumping in and out of details and reasons behind things as we talk about the story. Let's talk about the face paint because people had problem with that. That was there for two reasons. One, it's reminiscent of uh, John Wayne Gacy, serial killer, and they wanted to. People are inertly afraid of that type of face paint without even really knowing why. And two, clowns don't like using face paint with points on it because it scares kids. So his choice in face paint goes against almost all clowns because of that reason. Um, and that was just a, one of the little details they threw in there. Well, I think it probably, it, it, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I just think it was, they probably wanted something very drastically different to separate Joaquin's Joker from Joker we've known anywhere else. Like, this is supposed to be a different take, although he does very much become the Joker at the end. Um, it's supposed to be different. So that's why I could easily see, like, let's not give him the normal Joker look. Let's give him something unique and something different to kind of match the fact that this is supposed to be a unique take on the Joker. And this is supposed to be how somebody could do the things that he does. And woof, did they, did they pull it off? So let's start with the elephant in the room. This movie was not the most violent movie no. of the year. The whole, the backlash, I can't, I cannot wrap my mind around it. With, with the exception of the riot at the end, because we really don't know what happens in the crowd. We've seen the goddamn purge this year. There, <laughs> there's a TV show about just randomly killing somebody because you didn't like them crossing you off of the, the street. There's somebody that gets a job in the last purge show. You know what? You got promoted for me. I'm going to kill you brutally and smash your face in with a baseball bat for that reason you know what that's random violence this nothing was random about anything in this movie interesting enough because joker is such a random violence kind of character and you're right there is no random violence like everything was methodical everything had a reason behind it um maybe not the first three but there was a reason to why it happened defense right Right. well there's a reason to what it happened so it's not it's there's no there's no like joker just walking down the street just shooting people like that's like the normal joker like and a boom (laughs) boom like that none of that was there there were i believe seven kills i can't think it seven i I can say all right there's the three again spoilers three on the subway Right. There was the guy who gave him the gun in the first place. His right. mom. His mom. His mom. Oh, I forgot about his mom. And then uh, Murray. Right. Um, so who was the seventh? Oh, the doctor at the end? Yep. Doctor. Who, who we end. don't even really know if he killed. We just know there was bloody footsteps. That's it. That's right. all we really know. So, well, you know, we'll chalk that up as one of them. But that's it now. When you saw, we, John we Wick. talked about this a couple days ago. John Wick. There were like 300 plus, plus deaths. A uh, whole lot of gunplay. And I mean, that, it like that is a violent movie. I think was it you and I, Mauer, that we had this conversation where we were we were so we were talking about horror movies. Was it you? Maybe okay. So we were talking about horror movies, and we were saying that like people are talk about the violence in horror movies all the time. And I'm like, you know, the violence in horror movies, although horrific, you're rooting for the character not to die. In action movies like The Expendables or a John Wick, you're rooting for most people to die. Yeah, like you're you're going, yeah, kill them all. 
This like let me movies, see how w- cool of a way you can dismember that guy. Yeah, horror movies, you it, I mean, although yes, they do where they are graphic to a point of like of no return in some of these movies, but you are still rooting that the person doesn't die. You want them to survive for the most part. Here's people's problem with this: they aligned with the guy doing the violence in this on a core level, and they felt dirty about it. So rather than take stock of their own emotions and why that did it. They just wanted to blame something like, Oh no, I was rooting for this guy. And that's definitely bad. I'm not a bad person. This movie is just bad. Well, that, and that, I love that you brought that up too, because that was such a weird feeling in the theater. So uh, we, you and I, Mauer, I've definitely talked to you about this. There's a show called you, um, which is a Netflix show was a, on based on a book series you. of a, of a stalker. Right. Mm-hmm. But the stalker is very charming. So you know he's an awful person, but you still find yourself rooting for him and then reminding yourself, wait, no, he's terrible. Stop doing that. But you still want him to succeed, even though he's <laughs> horrible. It's, but it's just for some reason, you still oddly root for him, even though you know deep down that that's the worst thing you could do. And I found myself in Joker, even like with the Murray scene, like it, it felt vindicated. I'm like, what? I shouldn't be feeling this way, but I am. And that's... I think that's the thing that people were scared of. And that's the thing. When you break down every single one of the kills in this, it has to do with some type of, you know, number one, not condoning killing anybody. I'm sure that's the view of everybody on the show. But, you know, think about this. This is art. This is not real. This is something that someone made. Um, Wait, so, this wasn't a documentary? <laughs> so, right. We can get into that a little bit later. But when you think about each and every one, so the the gentleman, and I use that term loosely, on the subway, they were tormenting the woman, then they went after him. Hold on, pause. Tormenting the woman, and he felt bad about it, wanted to do something to help her, but because of the unnamed reason of his laughter, couldn't do anything. This is his head trauma. Head trauma, and... I'm going to assume it had something to do with his, his mother and her boyfriend. But... Because of him having that laughter and in pain, almost to tears at that moment, he couldn't do anything. She judges him as she walks by him, and then they turn on him. Right. And so that's it, a big part that people keep missing is you saw him wanting to do something, mm-hmm. but couldn't because of his issue. And even the woman that he wanted to help gave him a disgusted look. Right. The thing that I, I find so interesting is that the the parallels of the criticisms and such around this movie to the movie itself. So a lot of you, I'm sure everybody uh, has seen the reviews that are say like, it holds a mirror to society, you know? <laughs> and that, that it's, it's a stretch to say that in a, you know, to, to a degree because Joker himself doesn't give a shit. And that, and he, he flat out says like my decisions and what I'm doing are not political. And yet everybody thinks that they are, which the movie itself isn't really intended to be political, political right. but yet it has become political, which is like the, what's the, the saying art mirrors life, life mirrors art. Yep. Something mm-hmm. like what's, yeah. I forget the actual saying. But. So going through the guys go to attack him, right? They get in a scuffle and you know what happens? He is, I wouldn't call it a scuffle. I would call it a no, they, he was getting, beat down. Yeah, he was getting yeah. beaten. He was jumped. He got jumped. He was getting mobbed by three men. You know, as they're going in and out of light, you can kind of see what's going on. And then you, you hear and then see the, the gunshot go off. And then he subsequently shoots the other guy and then goes after the other guy, gets him, and then pursues him through the subway. Now, where we, that's kind of where the line is drawn with that. You know, you, you just let him go. Do you go after them? Are you good after you just kill the one guy? 
or after you shot the one? Or guy? was he conscious enough to know that if that guy gets away, his life is over? I, I he just know. lost his job because of the gun. I don't think that's the case. I think I, I don't think so. I think I've, if you you he kind of tells you why he did it when he's talking to the uh, Arkham Asylum clerk, where he's like, "I didn't feel bad. Like mm-hmm. I kind of liked it." Right. So there is. So first off, to keep in mind that he is he he's. Uh, he, he suffers from a traumatic past that is a that's given him um i don't know what you would call it because it is well, it is a mental health issue here's but why you don't know why to call it and now it makes sense of all the confusion they gave us beforehand they specifically didn't nail it down to any one pattern of mental illness because they didn't want that mental illness to become a poster child of this is what creates psychopaths so he has behaviors and symptoms of tons of them but not one causing it. So you see some disassociative uh, disorder. You see some schizophrenia. You see some a lot of different things going on there. But then not totally because they just wanted to say this guy's messed up. Mm-hmm. He's crazy, quote unquote. Right. But you can't diagnose him so that nothing bad happens here. Yeah, the- but had circumstances been different, he would have been a phenomenal person. Like all he wanted to do was make people smile and happy. Yep. Like and that. It's it's weird how the tone, like the 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 beats of this movie, the 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 premise almost revolves around mental health. It revolves around gun control, and it revolves around the one percent. Three things that Joker himself doesn't care about. But any random Facebook feed you scroll through <laughs> are going to find articles and people making points about those three things, right? So it almost feels like they pulled those points from social media. And it pulls, you know, mob mentality. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I didn't, yeah. yeah, that's huge. Um, which is huge of people don't fact check anything. So people just react. Absolutely. And the movie talking about it and then having that same freaking thing happen to the movie. Mm-hmm. For example, Moshko and I are in toy groups on social media. No way. And Get out of here, you two? No. <laughs> a week or so before the movie, there's people posting all these fake articles about there's been terrorist threats for your movie theater. When you go in, do this, blah, blah, blah. They're going to be attacked to the point where friends of the show and their loved ones were afraid to go see it on opening night. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there were a couple reports of, you know, some calls being some legitimate calls being sent in and a couple of evacuations did happen. But... You know, they found nothing was. But what caused that? Was that a reaction to public hysteria? But some uh, there's also some that were just taken to me a little out of context. Like there's the one in Times Square of the guy who was cheering him on, right? Mm -hmm. But loudly cheering him on, so they escorted him out of the theater, and everyone. So the articles are like, you know, guy roots for Joker and makes everybody uncomfortable, so they root him out of. They remove him from the theater. No, he was being a dick. He was yelling in a movie theater loudly, and (laughs) they complained and got removed. Like if I if I did the same thing in Frozen 2, I'd get removed from the theater. Go, you go, let it go, yeah, woo, let it go. I'd get removed as well. (laughs) So it's it's to me it's just it's clickbaity. It's Mm -hmm. it's absolutely. So then you get to what becomes his snap. And here's the thing. He didn't snap to go kill a bunch of people. Nope. He snapped to kill himself. Mm-hmm. His whole plan was to make an example of himself and just show people, hey, I'm here and now I'm dead. You saw him practice his walk in, his sit down and how he was going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. People skimmed over that and are saying, you know, he went there to kill Murray. Not he did at it. all the case. Um, 
It wasn't it, until he realized why he was there. Mm-hmm. When he realized that he was there as the butt of a joke, then it sna- yep. the second, the blip, because we had the snap already, the blip happened, and he went nuts. But his mental state, and they almost showed him, uh, tied it to suicide bombers. He cleansed himself. He put on, a, you know, uh, an outfit to represent himself. He made sure everything was perfect, and then went out to kill himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, these little details that they put in there are subliminal, but it seems like so many people missed them. Mm-hmm. There, there was so much going on in this, uh, so I was able to see it twice. The first time I, I walked out of there, I'm like, what actually happened? The second time I was able to see it, I was able to get a better idea of what was real, what was fantasy. I mean, a lot of what happens in this movie is just in his head. Okay, let's talk about that, because so much of it has real-world repercussions mm-hmm. that I don't... I don't know as much of it as fantasy is. Like, again, I only saw it once. But honestly, the what's uh, what's the actress's name? Uh, Yazzie Beats. Yeah. So here's she's obviously the whole thing with her is obviously in his head. So here's saying the whole thing is in his head because it's him remembering it. So now we just have to pick out the pieces that actually happen or are embellished. So it seems like them singing "Send in the Clowns." He might he was probably jumped by guys on the bus, but mm-hmm. the way we're seeing it didn't happen that way like they didn't just start going into a frank sinatra song and then jumping him um obviously the relationship with her Mm -hmm. didn't happen not at all he creeped her out he followed her around he showed up in her apartment and may or may not have killed her and then went from there or she died i think he he didn't kill people just to kill them so i don't i don't think he would have killed her Mm-hmm. I, a, I said may or may not have I don't right. yeah I, I would There's, uh, yeah, he I've, definitely did I've got a couple theories on this um, but the one thing and you talked about you made a post about light watch the yeah. light you know I, at least coming from me I really think you know anything that was in a blue hue was real that absolutely happened anything that was in an orange or yellow tint was in his head so when you kind of watch that through the course of the movie you have distinct times where it's absolutely blue and then you have distinct times where it's yellow. Then, as the movie kind of gets to the middle, you get both lights in the same scene. So when he is in the bathroom after the subway, which we should talk about that scene because that is well, incredible. That's, we'll talk about because that's also Joaquin's favorite scene. They're both there. As you, you know, as you get to the end of the movie, everything is just brightly lit. Everything is just very, very vivid. So it's almost as if like you can kind of pick that out. And I'm sure we're going to learn a little bit more through interviews and stuff like that on what it is. But there's also the absolute chance that none of this happened. Because when you watch it, you see him first in uh, the white room when he bangs his head off of there and then at the end. So really, everything during this movie could just be something that he made up. And as we know with Joker movies and as we know with the origin, we don't really know. You know, it could just be made up and there's 17 different origins. And that's why I thought of it last night and I kind of came to that middle ground where everything we saw was in his head. But it also is part memory, kind of like what we talked right. about when we broke down Joker, him retelling the Red Hood story. He's it's starting to change a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the movie did not take place when the movie was taking place, if that makes sense. It was a memory of how he got to where he was at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the question, do you even remember why you were in there? Was him reacting to something that was happening outside of the story we were being told. Right. The transitional seat of him dancing in the bathroom. Mm hmm. Joaquin and Todd Phillips did not know how they were going to really showcase the transformation and how Mm -hmm. that would happen. And the dancing became something that Joaquin felt 
tied to the the original scene was him going in there to just clean up get rid of the the blood take the makeup off stash the gun somewhere and then leave and they got into that scene and they're like this isn't going to work and they did it on the fly the score which we can get into even more um, I forget her name. Uh, she wrote the entire um, score for Chernobyl. If you watch that on HBO, you need to watch that. It's fantastic. She um, she wrote the majority of the score before the movie was shot. Yes, and it was the first time backwards. Joaquin had ever had score. So the dance sequence coming down the steps, they literally had just gotten the score moments before and played it for him. And that was his reaction to it. And he had never heard it before, and he didn't know of any movies that had a score before the movie was shot. And that impacted a lot of how they interpreted the Joker's transition into madness. Yep. And it's great because the, the flamboyant nature of that dance to me screams Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could see that, you know, performance is what he wants to do. Music is, you know, part of his blood. I initially thought he was doing Tai Chi in there to calm down. Yeah, that's what I thought at first because it was very Tai Chi movements. Yeah, I thought he was just, you know, this is something he was, you know, taught and and learned for, you know, his condition. But we also know in mental institutions, especially in the 80s, did teach Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things they taught the... Yeah, David Carradine was, uh, had a whole video VHS kind of thing you could order. So that was a very much an 80s like mm-hmm. uh, meditation and mental health yep. uh, tie. So even that little flash cool. of things that just really happened that they pulled in, mm-hmm. y- you don't know. The yellow and blue light, as soon as I was in there, third of the way through, I saw that. But the other thing I saw, and I don't know if you noticed it, is the speech patterns change as the movie goes on. Oh, absolutely. He was very, in the, and that's the other thing, in the blue, he's very you know, standoffish. And, but when he's in the yellow, he's very confident. Yeah. The timid and confidence. Yeah. But even the people around him, the, mm-hmm. the conversations are all much slower. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie goes on, the conversations, even the back and forth speeds up mm-hmm. um, to the end. We get Murray where there, soon as one's done saying a word, the yeah. other one starts it. Mm-hmm. So it could be his anxiety of remembering the story. It could be how it happened, mm-hmm. but that's just another subtle thing. I, I, I also just think it's the confidence of, of, putting on the mask like i mean that because that's a normal but that just affects him that doesn't affect everybody around him. i get that but oh sure but it's also in his head so if, if you're saying it's all memory then it's in in general it's all yeah it's all in his head in the first place but it, it's that's a classic joker line i mean even from the the dark knight returns or the dark knight where he says uh give someone a mask and see who they truly are yeah, yeah there, was an inter- there was an interview uh with phillips about that um, the other thing when he when he gets beat down in the alleyway, I don't know if you saw the the intricacies of the end of that scene, uh, where the water starts coming out. Like he the, the he flower. goes in. It, it does it doesn't come out on purpose. Like he he I mean it does come out on purpose, but he you know initializes the water to come out as he's still performing. You know that's what he wanted to always just do, and and it's seen even when he's extremely hurt. And his performance. I mean the <laughs> the the. Um, Every time he lost it and laughed, the the horror and terror of, of, and sadness you can see in his face through the laughs, to me, was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a movie. You saw the emotions as more than just the laugh. Right. You saw it through the laugh. And that's what mm-hmm. was so wild about every... T- and then what was cool about that is that the laugh changed. Like, in the beginning, the laugh, you could see the heartache in the laugh. Mm-hmm. By the end, that laugh was a laugh. Like by the end, yep. it's he now. After the line of "My life's a comedy," 
that's that laugh no longer like he's no longer taking this medication and that laugh is now a laugh Can we talk about my favorite scene i thought we did no go on what is it when he the guy that gave them this is going to go long the guy that gave him the gun comes into the room oh. <laughs> first off him putting the scissors into his back pocket before he answers the door you knew it was going to happen right so then, it wasn't a shock then you see who comes to the door and him locking the chain yeah <laughs> you knew what i'm talking about right, now you can't leave <laughs> um so then he just kills him the the bashing his head reminded me of kingpin smashing oh, wow, the door yeah. like mm-hmm. i immediately was like this is 100 percent rage yep. um and him expressing part of why his life went to shit was the guy in front of him if he hadn't given him that gun to try and get him fired because that was the whole reason why he gave him the gun is he knew he would screw it up mm-hmm. and he was one of the guys creeped out by him yeah he did that on purpose and him taking all that out and then just seeing the little guy being like can i leave oh that that's <laughs> that scene is when he kisses him on the forehead well first him trying to crawl over the body and then he, uh the joker just jumping and rah, <laughs> hilariously laughing mm. the whole theater was like oh my god what i just see right and then i'm laughing yeah, I, just, could, I, you, laugh too I, could you just imagine being being him and not being able to reach the doorknob and, <laughs> and, and and the door then being locked Mm-hmm. And then him having to turn around to the guy he's scared is going to kill him in the first place. He's like, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you open this door for me real fast? Mm-hmm. Dude, that must have been the most terrifying. Do you imagine just watching someone get murdered in front of you and then asking the guy for a favor? <laughs> but that just goes to show that even as crazy as he is, the Joker still has some sort of compass, if you will. And I, I kind of like that you you brought that about how he does have a compass because I, I before we, I mean, we got a couple more minutes to go and I want to I talk about uh, I want to talk about the prospect of a sequel because I know there was never an intent for a sequel. They had no interest in it. And then all of a sudden, uh, because Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix on set were spitballing ideas for a sequel like, oh, what would happen if and this movie's making as much money it is, the publicity around it, there's a good chance that there's going to be another movie because both Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips said that if the other's involved that they would do it. I still think that we haven't really truly got the Joker. Like we got, I mean, by the end, yeah, you got the Joker, but we didn't get the senseless killing Joker. What would you expect a, a a second movie? What would a sequel be like to the two of you? What would you think you would get from a movie like that? Honestly, I think we'd get like the day in the life of the Joker from the Joker book by Azarello. Really? Can you give a two second? Uh, basically just that. It's the day in the life, how he reacts to everything around him and how people treat him and the planning that he does and him living mm-hmm. living as the Joker as a crime boss that doesn't care well there's there's a it's a famous batman line where he says the joker's plans only make sense to himself right i think that's true you start seeing it in this one like when he said the knock knock who's there that joke where he's like you know guy got hit by a car and he died or something like yeah. what the actual joke was and then he starts laughing and everyone goes that's not funny and he goes, yeah it is but but what if now follow me on this we get a second joker movie and joker doesn't know why his gangs and plans just start falling and getting caught. And that's the backdoor introduction of the Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman truly is somebody in the shadows that nobody really realizes there. And we get a Jaws moment mm-hmm. of the end of Batman and Joker. And that then leads into a Batman movie in this universe. Right. And keep in mind, we're maybe 20 years away from 
Batman. Well, yeah, I don't. In this it's gonna, it's hard to say that because it, it being in his head makes this a little bit more plausible. But if he truly is the reason that we got a Batman in the first place, I mean, Thomas Wayne being killed in the alley by one of the Joker uh, fanatical people um, means that by the time Batman is of age to be Batman, he's way too old. He's way too old to be Joker because he's in. I mean, how old is Joaquin Phoenix? in his 40s 50s let's i mean yes but so, so even if he's in his 30s by right. the time bruce but you ages pull age another out of it. 15 yeah well that's a hard thing to do mm-hmm. on a movie that's trying to be realistic it's <laughs> still a guy dressed up like a bat so right well we just got a guy dressed up like a clown who went on a killing spree so my point is the the whole thing they were trying to do is take that concept and make it real add a, a sense of realism to it which, by the way, is something that you and I talked about yesterday. Um, the reason why this movie is is getting the backlash that it is is because we did an episode a long time ago about escapism versus realism. Why a movie like this isn't doing as well and a movie like Endgame is seen as like the pinnacle of, of cinema, unless you're Scorsese. Um, Incorrect. Is because is because I can invalidate uh, that statement with some numbers. What's up? I said I can invalidate that yeah, statement with some This movie numbers. is doing better than Endgame. Well, yeah, but you you wouldn't get that from the vast majority. Even numbers aside, nobody's going to agree with that uh, just because of feeling. Um, but my point is, um, people expect escapism in their movies nowadays. That's why John Wick does well, and a movie like this gets panned for its violence is because of the realism to it. But so I looked at it as a, an escapism type of movie. You did, but I don't think right. the vast majority of moviegoers did. The vast majority of moviegoers saw this as a mirror and got scared. That's because the Shuckies of the world <laughs> have no longer wanted entertainment to challenge them. Sure. Even with escapism, there still can be challenge to it. Look at Alien Covenant. Yeah. Alien Covenant. The, the whole Alien movies. What's the one that you Jesus. got? The one that you liked? Prometheus? Prometheus? No, I hate Prometheus with a fiery passion. But Prometheus like, was god awful. Even those sci-fi <laughs> movies were... They want to try and make you think, but mm-hmm. but they're not. Look at the John Wicks, the Triple Xs. I mean, John Wick is a straight. You want to talk about a movie that is uh, gun porn and and all that good stuff? That's John Wick. That's what. A, but There's that, no thinking. But in those. John, but John those Wick. are the movies that like the Expendables. I mean, we've seen a trend of mm-hmm. these kind of movies overtaking the box office for so long. Right. It just shows us that people want to escape this kind of world. They want to escape that social media feed that they're used to. This movie puts that social media feed in your face. This movie makes you realize and look at those things where movies like Endgame I don't think allow it's the, you to escape it. I don't think that it's putting it in their face that's bothering them. I think it's putting it in their face and pretty much calling them dumb. <laughs> that's the problem. Like saying, this is how dumb you look. It's not what's going on that's bothering people. It's them having to see themselves as sheeple reacting to people that don't care about them and going, oh, that's not me. I'm not the one just reacting against that. Like that is, I mean, I, yeah, I, I get that. I don't, I, I think that's taking it a step further. I think that's, that's adding your own spin to it, but I, I agree. I don't know if this, I, I guess this applies and you guys can tell me. Agree if, if you, to a degree. If, if, that's, if that's weird, I like it, but it's weird. <laughs> if you break this down into like a, uh, uh, video games, right? So you have like a side scroller on rails kind of shooter or whatever you want to say. And then you have like a grand theft auto. You know, on one, you're on rails. You are doing what you have to to get through the level. There, there's no deviating. There's nowhere you can go. Grand Theft Auto, you can do whatever the heck you want before you even touch the story. You know, it's it's kind of like that. You have people who want to be able to 
you know, think about it and play around. And then there's some people that just want to sit down and go through the levels. And you're ab- absolutely right. 100%. I think with a lot of how cinema has gone in the last 20 years, you have people who, like you said, it's that escapism. You just want to go. But the problem with that is when people be are confronted with this type of movie where there are so many different layers to it and there are so many things to understand and think about, no one is thinking about it. And they're just, you know, saying that, you know, it, it's it's not good for society and, and this, that and the other thing. And that's the problem with it. Like, there's so like this is a piece of art and a lot of people don't want to hear that. But when you get, when it gets down to it and you look at all the different layers to it, it's 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 a beautiful film. And that may sound weird. So that's beautiful. Let's also talk this movie, top movie 2019. Easily. Now, one of the top movies, 2018. Star is Born. Also produced by Todd Phillips, directed by Bradley Cooper. This movie, produced by Bradley Cooper, right. directed by Todd Phillips. This was produced by Bradley yes. Cooper? Yes. Where, where's Scorsese in this? He, he, dropped, he dropped out dropped right out after it. it was announced. Really? Yeah. So Scorsese's been getting a lot of credit that he just... He wow. helped He's, develop He developed the idea. it, inspired it. You know, I think a lot of it has to do, when we were talking about it with the Irishman coming out, he kind of wanted to probably separate himself from this film, so... And it didn't look good, him copying himself with Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, this basically being a rehashing inspiration by that. So you're copying yourself doesn't look as good, but yeah... Produced by Bradley Cooper, directed by Todd Phillips. Last year's big... Good good on you, Rocket. Well done. (laughs) But last year, directed and starred in Bradley Cooper, produced by Todd Phillips. The guy that made, you know, Dude Date and The Hangover... Trilogy. ...has put (laughs) two of the movies that have taken a a mirror to society the most in the past two years. Well, yeah, he did that whole statement about how he's given up on comedy, because he just can't. He can't make a comedy without pissing somebody off. So now he's making dramas that are pissing people off, but they can't say as much about it because it's rea- uh, reality. Mm-hmm. And these are the types of movies we need. We need more of this. We need something to break up the bubblegum. Oh, I think, I, I think you need a nice balance of the two. I, I, there's, there's room in the world for the end games. There's room in the world for those kind of films. They, they need to be there as well. This, but if all you're eating is that, you're going to... That's fine. This it's, came out at a perfect time yes. where everyone is hungover <laughs> from... Over like comic pun? saturation. That was a good pun. I'm Thank not, not going to hurt to you for that. I had, that was a good I had one. to point it out. That was a good one. <laughs> Satur- the. <laughs> All of the Marvel movies, in my opinion, number one, good films, uh, good movies. I won't say film. Good movies. They're films. They're very watchable. They're entertaining. They're very colorful and bright and a lot of CGI and they look pretty and they have big budgets. But they're like Chinese food and you're hungry for more in 30 minutes. No, I'm hungry for (laughs) something better. This was good. This was a good lunch. I want something really good for dinner. Yeah, this... But see, at the same time, when Iron Man first came out, it was the reverse. It was the reverse. I mean, we, we, we had oversaturation of indie arts films, and then all of a sudden Iron Man shows up on the scene, and an indie comic book movie. I don't think we've different. ever had oversaturation of indie arts films. I would disagree at that, time. at that point. We weren't getting comic book films like we are now. We see comic book films as a normal thing but nowadays. We were still getting we've had them for 10 action. years. But they, oh, sure, but they weren't anything like they are now. I mean, they're, they're not franchise-based. Everything nowadays is a franchise. That back then they weren't, but back I, then that broke the mold. That was a that was a different kind of thing because it was out of the norm. We still weren't getting an oversaturation of 
the piano and memento and uh the machinist and all those like yeah this is in that vein this is the raging bull the taxi driver which have never been able to sustain more than a few movies every here and there even even like the sci-fi base like the matrix that was something you needed to think about when you first saw that um, when you got into the second and third, whatever, but the first one, you need to think why you saw the second and third. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But it was, it was something, it was new. Even when you, you break it down to, uh, avatar, that was something and anybody can, you guys could say whatever you want about avatar. I still think it's, it's more of a phenomenal movie than Endgame from a couple of different, couple different areas. And I'll get the backlash on that. Really into Pocahontas. <laughs> But it it was it was something never seen. So you know there are ways to do these movies in a in a different way. Uh, we've had ten years of the same type of movie. That's why that's why it bothers me when people say the other ones aren't ones aren't movies. The other are the other are movies. These are films. No, it's a genre. It's a it's a medium. They're, They're right. all the same. They're all the same. They're just four different audiences. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's like saying something's not a comic book because it doesn't it's not a Marvel or a DC book. Right. That's not true. It's a comic book. So when you say so when the Scorseses of the world say it's not cinema, it's it's bullshit. It really <laughs> is because at the end of the day, you're changing the value of the word. Mm-hmm. The word is exactly what it is. It is a movie. It is a film. It is cinema. It is all the same thing. When you change it based on your prerequisite of what constitutes cinema, you're putting your subjective bias to it. It's a, it's an audience film. It's a film made for a certain audience and that's fine. There, everyone can have, like, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but there's an audience for it. Obviously they made a lot of those movies. <laughs> so my, what I'm trying to say is, is that to me, the whole argument over, well, that's not, this is what true cinema is. That's not true either. Because again, it's a medium. It's, it's like saying it's art. It's, it's, like, it's, it's subjective to, right. to everybody. So like, so breaking bad is, is television and, Movies? Then, well, no, no, no. And Big Bang Theory's not. Is it not television? Television. It's, it's, it's a di- I would say that is slightly different. I mean, sure, there's differences. Right. There's absolutely differences. But that word but doesn't on have TV. the same weight that some, calling something a film does. Sure, but that's because we've added it. Right, and we are the ones that make the defini- definitions of words. The, the, the words have been defined already. We are changing the We've definition. said over and over that the definition is based on who is saying it. You know, we've changed the meanings of lots of words. The okay symbol you can't give anymore in public because that being changed. Sure. That's so words. That's a bit different. (laughs) Words meanings change. And the word film became something back in the 70s that was different than just something of moving pictures on visual storytelling. Visual story. It became something different. It became something that had a weight to it and a group of people deciding that this is something that's better than the All average. Right, so then from now on, Road to Perdition is a comic <laughs> book. Moon Knight is not. There's, the group has to decide on that. Well, the group is just deciding. That's what I'm doing. I'm deciding as the group. <laughs> but you're not the group. Well, I, apparently I am, because I'm <laughs> the one who makes these decisions. You are not. Well, why am I not? As a, Filmmakers why? as a whole had decided that. You are not the whole. You actually, I can give you a lot of filmmakers who would disagree, James Gunn being one of them. Is he not a filmmaker? I wouldn't call him a filmmaker. I'd call him a director. He would. Robert Robert Downey Jr. said, I guess I'm not into cinema. He used to be. Apparently he's not. So my, my point is, is again, it's cinema. subjective. It's subjective, subjective at the end of the day. It's one person's opinion can't alleviate everyone else's. You right? are just, There's you value. do not like the art community as a whole, though. You don't like when they say that art has value over other art. 
Because I, yeah, because they're, they're you can't say they're wrong because it's subjective. You can't say they're wrong. It's just in like, your own argument. You can't say they're wrong because you're subjective. Like they on them. can't say they're wrong. Only like other people are wrong. But that's their belief. Sure. That's but I can as as it's their belief on my podcast. I can absolutely air them <laughs> out for it. And on my <laughs> podcast, I agree with them. So there. I'm just gonna sit here. Can we talk about the music choices that people are morons about? <laughs> So people just now are bashing this. It came over the news this morning. Yep, I have it right here. Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2. Hey. Na-na-na-na. So he's not making money off this. I don't know if people realize that. When you are imprisoned, you can no longer make money from your previous works. The band that wrote it, the Glitter Band, has donated any profits of this song to victims. Here's even bigger. The amount of time they use it on there doesn't count for it getting royalty rights because they only use the very beginning of it. Mm -hmm. But the reason the song was chosen was it was a song that was celebrated, but then the person behind it was a child pornographer, pedophile, pedophile. all all that stuff. Frank Sinatra's songs in it was a gangster and somebody womanizer, womanizer. Like the whole point of the soundtrack to this film Mm -hmm. was also showing the duality. Troubled troubled individuals, as I try to say that. Before (laughs) we react to something and go on change.org and say, I boycott this because of A, B, and C, I think the big point of this movie is look a little further than your nose before you make a decision on something. The the idea of going to change.org in the first place is dumb. The the idea of not letting... Like, there's an old saying uh, that you know take it for what it is but the whole idea of of censorship is telling a man he can't eat a steak because a baby can't chew it (laughs) right it's it's it's, to me it's the same it's the same regard like if you don't like it don't go to the movie and (laughs) you know what if you are talking about the violence in this movie you are not allowed to go see any movie where more than five people are killed because well, it's too violent. The people who talked about the violence of the movie without seeing the movie, uh, yeah. that's, that's the, the I, like, I, you could complain about the violence of the movie. That's fine. It's your opinion. You could say it's, it's too much. It's too mm-hmm. realistic. It's too, it's hard to watch. It's fine. But see the movie first before you throw that opinion out there. And then ask yourself, is it hard to watch because somebody died or is it hard to watch because you feel somewhat responsible for their death? Mm. Oof. On that note, meant to do that thing. Drop that mic. <laughs> Woo. You can find the show, Welcome to Fireside, everywhere online at Welcome to Fireside, your social media choice, unless it's Twitter, which is at Fireside Crew. Uh, once again, I'm Menti. I'm Moshko, and you can find me everywhere at Moshko Collects and at MoshkoCollectibles.com, as well as ToyingAround.com. And I'm Mr. Mauer. Don't forget to check us out at the local comic shop. Going through some back issues. Wow. And then just, uh, just having some back issues. Yeah, having some back issues. Um, I'll be at the local ice cream parlor having some ice cream. Manti is going to be appearing at the local cinema, making sure he tells everybody that they are all films. <laughs> Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs>